Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Diamond Hands podcast. Today, we are so excited to bring our interview to you with Don Naylor, BSRN, MSN, ACNP, owner and founder of Skin SD Med Spa. Welcome, Don. Hi, Leslie. Hi, so great to have you. And if you guys don't know, you can't see us right now, but she looks fabulous. Oh, like, thank you. Hair is in everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair occasion. Oh, God. Well, girls, busy as you, like you're intense. So, you know, everyone wants to know and, you know, share with our audience. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your medical background um, and your advocacy in the field. Um, so I've been practicing as a nurse practitioner for about 20 years. I initially started off as an RN working at Brigham Women's Hospital in the ICU. Um, I went to MP school at night. I mean, excuse me, I worked nights and I went to school during the day. Um, and during my nurse practitioner rotations, I was one of the um, advocates of getting us more practice uh, sites for our clinical rotations and surgery, the emergency room, the cath lab, uh, because I trained as an acute care nurse practitioner. So I was directly um, recruited from nurse practitioner residency to a job where I trained with a world-renowned physician um, seven days a week, pretty much, uh, for several years. And um, during that time, I was fortunate to cross-train in dermatology um, and critical care medicine, Mm -hmm. um, which sort of led to my dual passions, uh, which I sort of did both for a long time. And um, one of the reasons I segued into this practice eventually is I did a uh, rotation um, with a surgeon who did uh, pro bono work for cancer survivors and all our aesthetics practice was free. And um, it was so emotional how much you could change people's life by just making them look better, made them feel better. And um, that's uh, something that I've carried with me to this day. And um, as I got burnt out working in the ICU, I had started doing a part-time aesthetics practice and eventually I had to make that choice whether I was going to stay doing that full-time or go to, you know, stay in the ICU or or cross over to aesthetics. And um, I essentially decided to cross over to aesthetics full-time. Wow. That's so amazing. And um, even the name of your business, you know, that even it shows like, you know, the heart of your business, you know, working with the breast cancer survivors and helping them feel better about themselves. And that kind of goes right into the skin esteem. That's, that's, is that pretty much the reason behind the name? Absolutely. I, um, it's actually been so evident since COVID. Um, I have an amazing relationship with so many of my clients and we, Mm -hmm. We talk about how when they look better, they feel better and not being able to get their treatments when we had to close down Mm -hmm. really affected people emotionally. And um, you could read my reviews, what people say, like people actually tell me I changed their life. And um, that's why I hate the negative uh, criticism sometimes the aesthetic field gets because it really makes Mm -hmm. people feel better. And 
Um, it's not about overdoing people. It's about doing what makes people feel better, whether it's getting a Botox injection, getting a B12 injection, or mm. honestly, people will come in and I'll tell them they don't need a treatment. Um, yeah. And my goal is to give them skin esteem to make them feel, you know, give them self-esteem, make them feel better. And um, I actually had my name trademarked right off the bat when I started. <laughs> Smart. I loved it. I loved it. And I knew I wanted to keep it and I didn't want to get into trouble mm -hmm. as I uh, moved on. So um, that's funny. awesome. If you Google the name, you'll see a lot of businesses with that name, but I'm the only one that's trademarked. So, wow. It's time for some cease and desist letters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we already have a lawyer. Uh, we've already done that. <laughs> I love it. But that's so great. I mean, we I know that's not something that we were going to particularly discuss, but the fact that you went ahead and you made sure you, you know, allied your business with the proper partners and we'll get more into that a little bit yeah. later is so important because people are out here flying with non-trademark names, building yeah. their business and then it comes back to bite you. So, yeah. that, I would say that's great advice for anyone and kind of kind of piggybacking on um, you know, your clients and how they wrote about you saying that they miss you and how you changed their lives. And I know that so many med spots had to be closed down for months. Yeah. You know, how would you say COVID has impacted, you know, your business and the industry overall? It's been a huge impact. Um, one of the big things with the aesthetic industry, unfortunately, is there's a lot of cattiness sometimes and people are very competitive, but this is when I really felt like a lot of people in the communities, we all came together and we tried to help each other um, because we were all closed and we're all in this together and there's plenty of business for all of us. So it was really hard because none of us made money um, and we didn't get a lot of help from the government. Um, so it was a huge impact. Um, I have to say the companies were amazing with helping us try to get back some of um, expired product or things like that. Mm. And, and that's where developing relationships with this is key. So not being nice in this industry is not going to work because, you know, I, again, my reps are so good to us. And, you know, if you're not nice to them, they're not going to be nice to you. Um, mm. And yep. they went out of their way to help us turn around our expired product. Um, you know, the amount of people, like all of us had to reschedule people constantly and, um, it really was a huge financial and I'm sure there's a lot of places that didn't survive. Oh, yeah. um, but honestly, it's, it's gotta be a good marketing plan and business plan. Um, they always tell you to save for, I, I think it's, they say four months of for an emergency and you never think it's going to happen, but it did. And, and luckily I took that to heart because uh, I used all my money to, you know, yeah. pay my rent and pay for my equipment while we're closed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did it again, just in case, cause I expected another close down and, and it hasn't happened, but um Mm -hmm. uh, building client loyalty has kept our clients coming back when we did reopen. And um, the other effect I think it has had is how we had to change things to reopen. Yeah. Um, I luckily cross cover an ICU. So I had a lot of insight in how to um, make COVID precautions and sort of what to, what to expect and what to create. And also a lot of my friends have primary care practices. So mm -hmm. um I sort of took the precautions I had for ICU and I developed those for my practice and we created, we went all computerized and we created that every person has to call a phone number. They can't just walk in the door. We have a mm -hmm. huge stop sign. Um, everyone gets a temperature screen. We created a um, checklist of all these questions people have to ask before they come in mm -hmm. and um, they have to answer them before they come in, before they're even allowed in the door. So if they have answered, you know, 
to positive to one of the questions such as travel out of state or a fever or whatever, yeah. we ask that they reschedule or get checked. And um, I did a lot of education on um, by email blasts, by um, social media, by um, uh, a lot of different ways of, of sort of what to expect and if they did certain things to call us. And so we still to this day cancel some people if they're even um, uh, at risk. So people have been really good about following the rules. Um, so they come and they, they have to fill out this, this stuff ahead of time. They get screened and then they come in, they know to go right to their room. We have like little marks where they can stand. Um, and it's, we had to streamline this whole new process. So I had to hire more staff to support that. I had to build um, a thing around our front desk area. Um, luckily I have a space that is spaced out and I have private rooms. So yeah. we're set with that, but I can imagine this must have really been a huge impact for other places that are smaller because um, I can't see as many patients. Um, exactly. And in the beginning, we actually spread out our times a lot longer so that we'd have time until we streamline things, but we still, you know, we disinfect between every single patient, including the bathrooms. We put HEPA and UV filters in the system. So it was a huge financial obligation. Mm -hmm. um, the cost of PPE is tripled. Um, we have specific PPE requirements. So the cost to us has gone up a lot. I know a lot of practices have had to raise their costs. Um, I have not, mm -hmm. um, even though I should, but I'm, I'm really trying hard not to um, because these times are hard for everybody, but it's it, a lot of people will have to go up on their costs and um, have probably also had to hire additional staff to maintain these precautions. So I have two extra staff members. Just because um, of this. Yep, yep, wow. just to make sure people are safe. And so, you know, and, and the fact that I had decided to, to open a COVID uh, vaccine clinic, I'm going to have volunteers helping also, and I'll have more staff. And um, that's all of my own time, my own money. So it's not wow. for the business, it's for the public in the, in the community. Well, exactly. Because, you know, because sometimes people think that if we're helping, we need to help nationwide or something, but they forget about our local imprint and how we can do our own little piece, our own little corners to make a difference. So the fact that you guys are doing that is, is really amazing and you don't have to. <laughs> so well, the more people we get vaccinated, the more people that are gonna be healthy and the quicker we can get back to normal. Exactly, so then, so you can ride this out. So that is, that is so good. And, and speaking about the government and regulations, you know, I just wanna kind of shift gears here. Something amazing happened for your field recently, you know, nurse practitioners in Massachusetts have just been, it's been a couple weeks now, but been awarded full practice authority. That's a game changer. It's huge, it's huge. <laughs> it is. So tell me more about, you know, your professional opinion on that, how you think, you know, that's going to affect, or it has affected your practice, and how you think it's going to affect the industry as a whole and the real, and some of the current relationships that have been in place for a while. It's a huge thing, and I'm very um, happy to have it. I think there's now 28 states, if I'm not mistaken, that have it. Um, the key is they have to be experienced nurse practitioners. I've been practicing for 20 years. When I was, they only require two years of the, uh, experience. I actually think they should require more experience to have full practice authority. Mm -hmm. um, so this isn't for new grads and, and um, but it will give you full autonomy to have your own and run your own practice. So what that means for my practices, I'm my own medical director now. Um, unfortunately, physician assistants haven't gotten it. I do think they should have it also. They work just like we do and they're extremely capable and, um, but they don't have the same union. So um, 
having said that, um, I do still have a medical director for my uh, physician assistants and nurses, and I will always have physician collaborators because I am not a physician, I'm not a surgeon, um, and I know my boundaries, I know my scope of practice. So um, I'm proud to be my own medical director. Um, and uh, that with that comes a lot of responsibility and that is knowing what is within our scope of practice as a provider and as even if I was a physician, um, you have to be trained to do what you're doing and you have oh, to have the proper certifications. And I can't stress enough, just taking a six hour course or a weekend course isn't yeah. enough to go yeah. hang a shingle on your door. And well. open up. Um, there's a lot that goes along with it. And um, there, even though I've been practicing for 20 years, I take continuing education courses three to four times a month, along with the fact that I'm getting my doctorate yes. and um, continue education with other um, providers. I mean, I learned, I actually, when I became an NP, I trained with ICU nurses the most. I, I learned more from them than anybody. Um, and then, you know, now I actually work so closely with a couple different plastic surgeons, dermatologists, mm -hmm. nurses, NPs, PAs from all over. And um, I can't stress enough, um, just having that education and continuing education mm -hmm. and having, um, you know, knowing just what the scope of your practice is for your, um, it is key. And, and now being my own medical director, luckily I've already got my site credentialed by the Department of Public Health. So I've already had everything in place because the guidance from the state was very, very specific. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I would have known that if I didn't ask a medical compliance lawyer how to do these things or or what was required but they are very clear on what the expectations are for having your own practice mm -hmm. and um you need to follow it just like any other practice and uh whether you're internal internal medicine or whatever and it's all about safety um and you know protecting yourself so you don't get sued yeah and that's that's a big deal and you know having a medical compliance lawyer i I know that, you know, finding someone that's in that niche must have been hard for you, but it's a good thing that you did find them. And maybe if you could share their information, we could put their information in the show notes. So if other, you know, NPs or, you know, they want to maybe shore themselves up now, they can, <laughs> they can you know, know who they should be talking to or people like them. It's funny, I don't even remember the name of my lawyer because I've got a couple different ones, but because um, I have a business, I have a couple of friends that are lawyers and they helped me in the beginning and they guided me. Mm -hmm. So I, I sort of have a big group and I could certainly email you the name um, because I have a, a group and they there's different lawyers for different things. Yeah. And I, I one of your questions that I you had sent that you were going to ask was about like, what did you like, what did you not think of like going from like being a business owner? And uh, I didn't know a thing about any of this. <laughs> I can imagine. He's like, so it starts off with, well, are you going to be an LLC or, um, a or the other? LLC? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. What's an LLC? So, <laughs> like, What's that? I, I, so there's different things that there's different ways you could name your business to, for tax reasons. And so you need an accountant, you need a lawyer, you need mm -hmm. a, um, and then once your business starts getting bigger, you need to do estate planning. Mm -hmm. And um, because if something happens to you, which I'm like, oh my God, wow, I didn't know that. And then yeah. um, 
then there's uh, liability, and then there's insurance. And I was like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? I know, it's, um, it's ridiculous, the amount of moving parts as a business mm -hmm. owner. And, you know, kind of speaking about your expertise in the business owner field, because, you know, you've, been, you've had a very successful <laughs> business, you know, and you're kind of like a marketing queen, just like low-key, um, <laughs> low-key marketing queen besides everything else that you do. So some other questions that I have for you, what would you say is your favorite marketing hack? It's funny you say that because I really don't have one. And um, I listened to your last podcast with that amazing physician assistant. I can't remember her name. And okay. uh, yeah, so she yeah. said how she sort of like how she fell into certain things. And um, I honestly, my 13 year old and 15 year old child taught me how to use social media. Um, <laughs> I yeah. So bad. Um, and I am just a huge goofball. And one of the biggest things is I just always show my own personality. Yeah. And people who know me, I, I tell people you could take me or leave me, but I'm the kind of person that laughs till I snort sometimes. Mm -hmm. I I love really hard. I care so much. I'm a huge empath and I work really, really hard, but I also don't take any bullshit. And I'm very honest. And so yeah. on my social media, I've always been honest. And that started attracting a certain crowd of people who wanted honest and real. And so I have a huge population of people who just love that. And they know that if I'm saying it, I really mean it. And um, I also am getting my doctorate in nursing practice. And part of anything I do that's educational, mm -hmm. it comes from research. I'm not going to, I can't support something that's hearsay. I don't support Dr. Google medicine. Well, except for with COVID, because that's all we have right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, um, I get asked, like, I get upset when I see people are being sold things that are, are probably not, you know, are, are just hyped up. I'm not the person to push products that I don't believe in. I'm not one mm -hmm. to push products that people can't afford yeah. or services that people can't afford. So um, I think that has really honestly been my best marketing and honestly learning how to do before and afters. And I've been very fortunate that um, every time I go to a conference or whatever, I meet other like-minded people and I've yes. made friends and made a lot of friends in the industry. And so, you know, the people that are want to be haters or catted, you know what, there's not a role for that anymore. Yeah. Um, people love positive people. And this really is like, you don't see hairdressers doing that, you know? No. And, um, there's a huge community out there that love, like, I love getting, I love conferences. I'm a nerd. I love learning stuff. And then you find the people that are like that too. Mm -hmm. And that love to teach. And then we sort of all started connecting to each other and we teach each other. We give each other tips. We are, I have people on social media always inboxing me. I'm always willing to help. Yeah. Um, some people give me advice on my before and after. So I'm doing that. There's a PA right now that I've been helping. And I'm like, you know, dude, you might want to like, not put those things on there. That's <laughs> <laughs> Or like um, giving them tips on how to make their pictures look better because mine in the beginning were horrible. And um, there was actually a plastic surgeon that gave me tips about how, about my before and afters and lighting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've become very good friends. And uh, he'd tell me what camera to buy. And now I'm telling him what Ooh, camera to buy. That's, so, that's nice though, that you have that yeah. camaraderie in, in, in the industry. And I think that's so cute that your kids taught you. I, oh, I really love that. They that's do. So cute. Sometimes they'll pull it up and they're like, oh my God, look at those lips. And I'm like, they're not mine. <laughs> so great i love it you should you should like have them come on your social one day and be like hey we're the true social media managers here oh god baby you would love that character that'd be so cute but you know kind of speaking about that because you have a very consistent presence you're very consistent in your education you know what do you do in order to stay motivated and consistent in your journey 
So honestly, it's education. I'm always doing, whether it's going somewhere or doing it online, um, I'm always learning. And so it's very empowering when you have, especially Shino Bay is one of my favorite. He gets me so excited when oh, I see I'm his video. Oh, well, it doesn't help that, I mean, it hurt that he's hot, but. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually. Shino, we love you. Um, I hung out with him and Dr. Weiner in, um, in Paris when we were at IMCAS. We had so much fun at the gala. Um, but they're, they are just, I actually love both of them. Like they're kind of um, presence. They're very positive people. Um, they're not condescending towards people who are in positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I love like anything that has to do with anatomy. I just love that stuff. Um, and so it gets me really excited and I love learning like new techniques and I love, um, I, lo- I used to love go to Europe, but right now we can't because of COVID, but they still yeah. have online courses. And so I love knowing what's coming and what's already been tried and hasn't worked and what does work. And um, mm-hmm. I love just soaking up that information and it gets me all like, like there's a new neuromodulator coming out. I can't wait to try it and um, see what it's about. And yeah. um, you know, that's what really gets me going. So awesome. I love it. I'm definitely tag, I'm definitely tagging Dr. Shino. I'll be like, hey boo. And this is, so, you know, kind of with, with your business, what would you say is a goal that you accomplished that you thought you never would have been able to? And now you're on the top of the mountain looking back and you're like, whoa, like this is super cool. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I never thought, cause I am one of the least, I am, I'm very, I, I used to have such low confidence and, um, that's actually another reason why I named my practice skin esteem. I, I modeled when I was younger and, um, I had so many self-confidence issues and when I gained weight and whatnot is when I actually gained more, um, confidence because I didn't care any as much about things anymore. And so one of my thoughts was always that I never want people to be judged just on how they look or whatever is going on with them. I want to give them self-esteem. So, you know, everyone has different goals and my goal being 49 going to be 50. I do not, I am not a size two anymore. Um, as people who watch my Instagram think of me jumping on the flamingo in my bathing suit uh, when I was 40 girl, pounds. you're eight. thick. <laughs> you're, you're, you're thick and nice. Stop it, girl. Like, exactly. Keep but, jumping um, on your flamingos. <laughs> I learned now with wisdom that it's not, it's, it's more about what your personal goals are, not that expectation. So, um, you know, I've become, I, I, my, my biggest thing I never thought I would achieve was the fact that my practice would gain people from all over. Like I have people coming from other states, from you know, people that fly to see me, I have, you know, and I've, I've established us a little bit of a celebrity base and I treat a lot of the models and, um, you know, I don't care who people are that I don't judge and I don't, but it, but it does make me feel good. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I never, ever thought that I would be in that position mm-hmm. of attracting people from all over. I just never thought that would happen. Wow. That, that's a, that is such a milestone. Um, and it's a testament to your personality and everything and just being your real self <laughs> and showing up. You, you track your chive. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. Moment, honestly, it's because my before and afters are so good, but they know that they're real before and afters. They know that that's what I do. Um, some people yeah. probably should leave my personality. I'm probably a little bit too much for some people, but I could tell those who want to talk to me that <laughs> want to talk. I, I try. <laughs> that's so it's great. Really hard. <laughs> That's so great. And you know, just kind of moving forward a little bit. It's like, you know, so when you were kind of making that leap, what was what was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome when you're making the leap from, you know, non-business owner to business owner? And what was kind of the catalyst that allowed you to say, oh, I'm committed and I'm going all in? Um, that's interesting. Uh, there's so many hurdles. Um God. 
it's got to be, first of all, the financial implications were mm -hmm. huge. Leaving a permanent job where I had a set schedule and whatnot was, was really, really scary to do. Um, I think I was probably in business for, uh, I had, I had actually already made the decision to leave the ICU full time and do this full time, but I was still, there were so many working parts and I, I, I didn't know what if I'm not good at this? What if I'm not, mm. what if I can't run the business part? Um, and, um, the, the biggest hurdle was getting, um, like figuring out the system, like, how do I, how, how do I get patients? How do I build a clientele? How do I advertise? How do I book people? How do I follow up? When do I follow up? What do I do for a website? Do I do a website? Um, what services should I offer? What prices should I offer? Um, there's so much that goes into it that it, it's not, you know, um, and I had to make a decision. Do I, what do I want to focus on? And so I sort of just thought about and wrote, I'd never had a true business plan, but I had it in my head. I had a vision in my head and I still have a vision in my head um, of what I want to accomplish. And I knew I wanted to be really good at injectables, but I also wanted to be really good at skincare in general. So mm. I would go to conferences. I would take advice um, from every conference. There's a lot of conferences that do offer advice about how, so, you know, marketing yourself, social media, um, about website, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm, I am fortunate that my husband does really good website design. So he created my website. Um, we also, one of the biggest things I, I, I am a rule follower. So I really believe in doing things the right way. Um, mm -hmm. If you do it the right way from the beginning, you're not going to get burned. It might take longer time. It might cost more money, but you're going to be more successful. So uh, again, I, I did meet with lawyers. I said, what do I have to do to be compliant? So the biggest hurdle was honestly getting um, the lawyers recommended in the state of, uh, again, the laws vary via uh, state. state. Yep. Mm -hmm. so in the state of Massachusetts, they used to allow you to practice out of your house. And actually I had my practice out of my house um, in the beginning too, like everyone else, mm -hmm. but they changed the law about four years ago and they frowned upon it. I don't know if it's completely illegal, but I know that I was told I'm not, if you're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, so I listened to what this lawyer said. Um, and also I read what it's on the mass.gov site. Um, and so they recommended that medical practices, uh, medical spas at least, have uh, credentialed by the Department of Public Health. So I, I mm -hmm. contacted the DPH and I got the paperwork and it was really challenging. Um, you had to meet a lot of requirements, um, certain room sizes, handicap parking, handicap wow. walkways, this or that. Um, and I did it and I got it done and it took me a year um, wow. to get that practice, the first one open. Um, and I moved, uh, and I had to, had to do it three times every time I moved. Oh. And um, it was easier the second time and the third time was really hard because it was a brand new space. So mm -hmm. um, they're extremely, but I'm proud that I did it because I, I know that I'm meeting all the guidelines. And yes. um, so from a liability standpoint, I feel that I'm you know, safe that way. Mm -hmm. And then, other hurdles, hurdles were um, getting the right insurances for everything. Mm. Um, yeah, property and casualty. Yeah. yeah, so that varies depending whether you're a nurse, a nurse practitioner, PA, MD, mm. uh, who your medical director is. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. And um, one of the biggest things that, that my lawyer had said were um, that many people are underinsured. So I made sure that myself and all my providers are um, insured. Mm. Um, Another hurdle was getting staff. Like, when do I hire staff? Do I hire a manager? Uh, all that. And mm -hmm. um, I started out my advice to people is to start small, you know, start really mm -hmm. small, making sure you're doing it right. And don't just pick anybody. And for that matter, don't just pick any client. You have to be yeah. careful about who you yeah. hire and who you let walk into your practice because yeah. um, 
you, you have to be selective because um, you can be taken advantage of um, and you have to screen for things like body dysmorphic disorder and things yes. like that that can lead you down a treacherous, um, difficult road. And so I've learned that by trial and error um, because we all want to do good. We all want to help people, but sometimes you have to say no. Yeah, and, and that's a big thing. And, and so we, I, I love that you're able to kind of cover quite a few things. That was a very packed answer. And I, and I love that, you know, you kind of covered like, you know, the compliance lawyer, why it's important to have him in place and the certification and, you know, the certification from the state. Can you just delve a little bit more into that and why it's so important for, you know, med spots to have that certification? So I guess it depends on when, when you say certification, um, it's a license. So first of all, you have to have your certification or, or board board certified. You have to be a board certified registered nurse or board certified nurse practitioner or physician mm -hmm. assistant. Um, in every state is different. I know some states actually allow estheticians to do, do it, um, yeah. which really scares me. Um, but um, so you have to have that board certification. Then you can go take a, people take a class, I guess, some places and they get certified. Um, but that doesn't mean you could just do it. Um, you have to, in order to practice anything, you have to be, um, have a certain amount of hours um, of knowledge and experience to do it. I don't think there is actually in our state a set criteria as there are. Actually, estheticians are very strict amount of hours and whatnot that they have to do in that field and that isn't in our field and that should be because mm -hmm. then that would hold us all to a higher standard yes. um because that should be a place and it's not um so um can you go out and become a nurse and then take a six-hour course and, and do it yes you can i guess you can yeah. is it safe to do no it's not you really need experience and if you if you don't want to um because Unfortunately, what's I've taken one of those courses and I always take courses and I've been asked to teach them and I only do advanced training. Mm -hmm. um, we all want the same thing. We all want to do a good job and make people look good, but we have to be safe about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think everyone needs to learn what they don't know. Um, so to answer your question about the certifications, that's what Mass.gov is trying to do. They're trying to give a baseline of what needs to be done. Um, it is written very vague. So I do know that there might be a loophole. I don't know, but yeah. my my understanding was that it's required. Um, that's what I thought, and that's why I did it, and it wasn't easy. Um, but it says right in mass.gov, it says that a medical law is required to have uh, licensure by the Department of Public Health. Yes. And so what that means is that every place that has that licensure um, has is upholding a certain standard of care. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is um, reviewed by the state, and they come in and they inspect your facility once a year to mm -hmm. make sure that you're meeting those standards. And it's just a, it's for a safety standard. And um, I actually just got inspected in the middle of COVID. Um, <laughs> that must've been fun. <laughs> it was scary. They're, they're, um, they're, um, they're scary. They're, they remind me of um, like a Catholic teacher. Like they're, they're the person <laughs> that come out and there, there was two of them. And then they actually have, you have to have your place inspected by the Department of um, Public Safety. Mm. So they come out and then we have the Department of Fire Department comes out. That was actually fun because the fire Chief is really cute. Um, <laughs> part of it, uh, you have to get a uh, certification to make sure that your place is. Um, <laughs> um, it's because you actually have like like you have to have if you're um, you, things have to be handicap accessible. They have yes. to be 
Um, I had to have fire extinguishers. I had to have certain signs for my lasers. I had wow. to have, um, if there's a thing about stairs and, and, and utility closets, like they were about where I didn't have a sign on my door, my janitor door. That's the one thing I didn't done. Mm-hmm. And they were very specific. And then you have to have a place for your sharps and for your whatever. And so it's just making sure you're maintaining those standards. So, um, as much as it was difficult, they scare the bejesus out of me every time they come. It reminds me of Jayco in a hospital. Um, <laughs> trying to make sure that you're maintaining those requirements. Yes. And um, so I think it's just something that is good for us all to have, just to be on the same um, level as far as, um, you know, proving that we are a solid business and that we are following all the safety guidelines and that we're doing things right. Um, the other certification that a lot of people that open these type of practices don't aware, aren't aware that you need is a laser certification. Mm. Um, a lot of people are buying lasers. And um, so your place, this is a relatively new law, uh, but that's the other thing. Being credentialed by the DPH means that you get all the laws and stuff. You're constantly in the loop about what's changing. Very and nice. So, some providers actually are not, they just don't know because they haven't been updated. And they, so, cause things have changed. This wasn't always a requirement. Yeah. Um, and it might, there might be some loopholes for certain people, certain physicians, certain other things. Um, but my understanding was that it was required for me. So um, the DP, the, they now require this laser certification that mm-hmm. I had to become, have to have a laser safety officer. And then every provider that touches a laser has to be certified, which I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they have uh, certain requirements of like which rooms you could do it in. Um, there oh, can't wow. be windows, there can't be mirrors, et cetera. And so they actually um, check that. So um, I know for a fact that like, that's not, happening and I, I didn't know and I actually had to go I became a laser safety officer for my place because wow. that was the requirement when I initially became certified as mm-hmm. um, a provider so um, I learned that because they sent me the update um, so there it keeps changing and it doesn't mean that I agree with all the laws but it is what it is. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, the government has, you know, um, and 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 these in the Department of Health have these processes and systems to ensure that you know your client safety is coming first because there's reasons for it. <laughs> you know, we might not know it all, but there's reasons for it. And you know, kind of touching on the processes and systems, you know, in your practice, kind of going back into the business side of things, and and even though compliance is interwoven with it, you know, what are some of the if you could give us like maybe two or three processes and systems that you use in your practice for success um let me see here some of my biggest things for success would be uh one is honestly just be honest be yourself um people have to they try to sort of don't be someone that you're not like you really just have to be honest and um try not to push things on clients that they don't want because they don't like that and they will never 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 come back um Another big thing I think that's helped me be really successful, and I learned this actually when I practiced medicine in the hospitals, I own my mistakes. Um, I found that especially when you're working with some of the like world-renowned physicians that are really scary, the biggest thing that undermines them is when you turn and you look at them and you say, you know what, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. That would stop them in their tracks and they'd look at you and they'd be like, well, and then they start teaching you. And so right from the back, when I see a patient, I say, you know, I tell them what could go wrong. And then I, mm. I don't minimize anything. So that's the other thing. When you're a new provider, you tend to want to be like, everything's going to be great. It's all going to be perfect. I do the opposite. I say, you know what? This may not do it. You may need 10 treatments. <laughs> and yeah. I said, you know, and if you're, but if you're not happy with your results, let me know and let's see what we could do. And then mm. 
Um, so that's really important. And if there is a problem, um, I own it. And I just say, I'm so sorry that happened. What, what could we do to fix it? Because you know what? Things are going to happen. And I'm a good provider and I'm an excellent injector, but sometimes people aren't happy. Sometimes it's a reasonable reason. And a lot of times it's not. Mm -hmm. um, so that segues into the next thing is setting realistic expectations. Yes. Um, the longer I do it, the longer I realize how important that is. Because again, I didn't do it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, you got to tell people like that's where experience comes in. Like, you you know, honestly, when I look at someone who runs every day, five miles a day, I tell her, I say, you know what, when I do your lips, you're going to piss them away in three months. They'll be gone. Like, mm. you know, wear it off because it's affected by heat, by your metabolism, this or that. And so I say, honestly, you're going to want to come back probably and get them attached up in, in, in a few months. And so they're not angry when they spend that price with me and they only last three months. And if they last them six months, they're thrilled. You know, yeah. and so they always say undersell over deliver. And yes. I stress that enough, um, you know, and, and the last thing is honestly, that's helped me be really successful. I always follow up. I've been practicing for 20 years and I still, every single new patient, new Botox patient, I follow up with, I schedule an appointment for two weeks. I follow up with them mm -hmm. and um, I, all my filler patients, I send them a message or email following up with them. And then my laser patients, I have a way that I follow up with them. So, um, and does, do I lose money? Honestly, probably, but you know what? No, because I, my patients stay with me because they know I'm going to follow up. And I tell them, even my, my current clients, I tell them I could be doing your Botox for 10 years. And one day that eyebrow can just get wonky. And if it happens, I need to know about it. I will fix it. And so, um, you know, that's just a huge thing. And, and I don't charge for follow-up. Um, yeah. I don't, I, 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 they have a price that they want to pay and they, you know, if it's my mistake, they shouldn't have to pay more to get it fixed. Um, mm -hmm. it could be that I underestimated, but it is what it is. That's how I practice. Some people mm -hmm. do choose to charge a follow-up. That's a personal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and again, it, if it's unrealistic expectations, that's one thing. But if you tell someone that this thing is going to last two years, not last in six months, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good for business. That's oh, not good for business. So I think number one thing is being honest and communicating yeah. and really sort of putting my money where my mouth is has, yeah. um, it helps you build trust with your clients and mm -hmm. it's important and you'll lose a lot in the beginning because honestly, you're going to tell people the wrong things. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, like, you tell everyone that Botox is in the last six months, you're going to be have a lot of unhappy people. <laughs> yeah, because six months is going to come around. And yeah, then, then it's going to be like, oh, but that's so great. And, you know, kind of um, in, in kind of um, going towards the tail end of things, you know, with those expectations, if you could let us know, what do you believe is your most inspiring client story? I know you have a ton of them, but what's one that like just sticks out in your head? Well, I'll tell you right now, I give too much shit away um, because I am an empath and I, I, people come in and they start, people don't realize like we are like bartenders, people pour <laughs> their heart and soul out to you. Yeah. There's, there's certain people that walk in the door. So when people think I do stuff for selfish reasons, they clearly haven't read my Google reviews because I, I really, really care about people. Mm -hmm. And um, I had this young lady, this was very recent and she walked in the door and she just started crying and her dad had died recently and she was very sad. She's in our, uh, the medical profession and mm. she has a very difficult job and um, she's just feeling so crappy about herself. She couldn't walk out the door. And um, she's like, literally, I, I don't, I go to work and I come home. I don't even want to go to the grocery store. I don't want to go out. 
And um, I think it all had to do with the death of her father. And she wanted filler someplace. And um, I looked at her and I'm like, honestly, I said, I don't think filler is really what's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of the you know, fat underneath your chin is really what's going to give you a better result. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I need to practice on my new cool sculpt machine. Why don't we mm -hmm. go do a, I could do you a pro bono as a, one of my practice patients. Oh, wow. And so I gave her a $2,000 treatment for free. And cool sculpt usually takes, um, like six weeks to work and I don't know I, I sort of believe in a higher power I really do and yeah. I believe that things happen for a reason same she sent me a picture a few days later and her chin fat was gone and I, I can't what? make this up I've got pictures of it I was like oh my god that's and she, wild she made me cry the message she sent to me but basically she was like you changed my life I went out today I went to the grocery store I went and she's like I haven't done that in, in so long and mm how it made her feel. And she told, she told me that it helped her regain her confidence. And then um, the other thing was her mom was having a hard time over the death of the father. The mom was really upset that she was going to get injectables. Mm -hmm. And the mom's also a medical professional. And the fact that like, I didn't have to do, I didn't stick anything in her. You know, we made this happen by doing a different treatment. So yeah. um, it just was a win-win and just making her feel good just made me feel so good. And, um, you know, all the girl, the people in my practice cried when they saw her message. Wow. It was just heartfelt. And um, I would do it again. And I do stuff like that, you know, probably once a week, you know. Wow. That, that's so amazing. And that, that energy, though, you know, when you give back, it's like you have to give before you receive. And, and I'm a big believer in that myself. And, you know, your practice has been so successful because of that giving nature that you have. But, you know, <laughs> I would say if you had one piece of salient, like pithy advice that you give to a woman who wants to go down the same path as you, what would that be? Just like a nice, short, and sweet boom. My biggest advice would be to find someone that's already in the industry or someone that you admire and see if you could shadow them. If that's not possible, education, education, education. Just keep educating yourself because education's power. And um, as a woman, um, you can never have enough education. There's so much out there now as far as resources mm -hmm. with regards to, you know, you can educate yourself on the business side the legal side and also the, um, the the medical side. And you want to dibble dabble, if that's even a word, in all of those three things, because um, that's what's going to make you successful and safe and protect yourself. You know, you want to protect yourself. And, and the last thing is honestly, like, it's got to be about collaboration, not competition. So I tell you to get into this and um, try to align yourself with people that are that you know will be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, there's a lot of people that are like that, including me. I help people all the time. I'm helping two other practices right now get their DPH credentialing, and I sent them all the paperwork. And and there's plenty of people out there. And and just stay away from the negative Nellies. Um, don't yeah. listen to them, you know. And um, but I just tell people try to empower yourself with education, um, because that's how you're going to be a safe provider. That's so great. Oh my God. Thank you, Don. This has been Welcome. so awesome. And let our listeners know. How can we find you? Is there anything else that you'd like to share? I know you have the COVID um, vaccine uh, clinic that's going to be coming up, but anything else that you could share and where we can find you on the internet? Um, you could find me on Instagram. I think it's, I don't even know, skinnesteemedspa.com. And we have a website, www.skinsteammedspa.com. We have a blog that's on there that I'm always uh, putting on there. And I do support other clinicians on there. Um, and 
my only other bit of advice that I would add at the end is, is to get yourself aligned with a couple of providers that inspire you because that is going to help you succeed in your business. And I've got, um, I have to give a shout out to Dr. Mitesh Kapadia, who I've collaborated with. And we actually met on social media. Mm. Um, he is an outstanding oculofacial plastic surgeon. And I went and trained with him because one of my biggest things was, I was like, what can I do to avoid dropping a brow when I do Botox? And what, what is involved in the blepharoplasty and whatnot? Um, so he actually let me shadow him and go in the OR. And so having, so you know, I know his bedside manner, his, his, you know, skills and, um, being able to refer to someone like him and also ask questions, um, is huge. And then Dr. Dilly is a plastic surgeon that's local. Uh, we actually collaborate probably like once a week about different patients and, Mm -hmm. and having that, and they are not my medical director. We have no financial obligations. We're just, honestly, you find, um, other professionals that you could professionally, um, collaborate with Dr. Dina Ben David's one of them, um, you know, New England Skin Center, those girls are amazing. Like we have a, you know, a really good collaboration with people that if you have a problem, if there's even a question, um, they're there for you. Um, it's, it's, I can't stress how important that is. And, and people can contact me at any time with any kind of questions. I'm always happy to help. Um, this should be, you know, a collaborative community. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Awesome, well done. You have an amazing day. I, I love watching your social and, this, and everything that you're doing in you know this community. And you know, can't wait until we do something like this again. Maybe on a bigger I stage. <laughs> I know when we could do something, uh, uh, something live. I can't wait. I know. Me too. Well, have a great day. It was so good to see you. You too. Thank you. like what you heard, please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening.